Hey, my name is Josh Chambers. And I'm Leif Parton. Welcome to How Humans Change. Every episode, we talk with someone that has undergone some change in their life, and we explore their backstory. Welcome to part one of this two-part series. This week, we spoke with John Spears. John worked for the Obama administration. Uh, He was married with two kids, and everything was heading down the right path. Then, after many compounding and stressful situations, he finally faced reality he'd been suppressing even from himself, that he was gay. It was such an interesting and great conversation. Um, I think I've heard and we know a lot of stories of people that have been gay their entire lives, but this story feels different. We talked about growing up and not knowing if you're gay, um, sort of how family plays a role into that. We talked about sexuality versus identity and how that's different. And of course, like, how do you move forward now that you still have to parent two children together? We found, I just found John to be so open and kind, um, and just really insightful. And it was so, such a great conversation. Um, and in our next episode, part two, we'll be speaking with his ex-wife, Christine, and getting her side of the story. So stay tuned. But real quickly, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. And if you or anyone you know has a great story, please contact us at howhumanschange.com. Well, here's part one. We hope you enjoy this conversation with John. Okay, so we'll, we'll just jump right in. So you're married, you have two kids, and something starts to shift where you are thinking, like, I might be gay. What's going on? And walk us through that. Like, walk us through that actual event, and then we'll come back towards, like, growing up and what that looked like. Yeah, so uh, in, in 2013, uh, I found myself really questioning uh, my sexuality it, to a greater extent than I've ever had in my life. Um, we moved back to DC after living in several places for a few years. And, uh, we, I got a new job, we moved back to the city. We had our second kid, we bought a house all in, in three months time. And I think that experience and that pressure and that stress really kind of expedited the coming out process for me where, you know, it wasn't necessarily like this sexual driven desire. It was more of a shift in my identity and how I saw myself in the world. You know, I remember being on the Metro and just feeling different. I remember going to work and talking to my friends and having to feel like thinking through what is the right heterosexual married with kids response to this question or to this instance. And, and so it, it was a lot about me feeling this shift and then also figuring out how I interact with this seemingly, you know, heterosexual life with the married with two kids in this new house and, you know, kind of successful at work and figuring out what all that means. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's sort of how it happened. And, you know, I think it wasn't until, you know, I had struggled with kind of thoughts since I was a kid, but I didn't have the, the space or the time to really think about them. I suppressed those thoughts. I, grew up in a really conservative home. And so, you know, I just didn't give myself the space to think about it. And when I was stressed and, and pushed and all the pressure of, of all the events that I talked about, I think it finally gave way until I looked at myself in the mirror and said, for the first time ever in my life, I'm gay. And then like 10 days later came out to, to my wife wow. at the time. So many questions for people who, uh, have never experienced anything like this either in their own life or with friends. Um, when you say it's identity and you were suppressing things growing up, 
What's that all about? Yeah, so breaking that question into two, I think growing up, you know, you people I think that are not gay think that, uh, not everyone, but some people think that it's a choice and that you sort of have this preference and you can kind of switch back and forth. Uh, and that's just not the way it is. Just as, you know, a straight person is attracted to the opposite sex and they can't change that. You know, my experience, at least for me, you know, I um, remember at a very young age being attracted to guys and, um, you know, in my, the church I grew up with and in the house I grew up with, I just didn't feel like I you know, had a space. You know, for instance, um, my parents got divorced when I was really young. And I remember, and I don't know if my mom told me this or I heard her talking to a friend about this, but I remember her saying that she was having an interaction with my dad, who I didn't have a relationship with. And he said something to her like, you know, what are you doing raising a faggot? And I, I remember at that very early age, like that knowing that my natural interest in a, in a guy um, is wrong. And, you know, I must have been like, I don't know, 10, 11, something like that. And so anytime a thought like that would come up, I would just quickly push it down. I would suppress it. I wouldn't think about it. I, I didn't give myself the space. Um, and, and so you take all, you know, years and years and years. So let's say this happened when I was 10 you know, 20 years later, 20 years of suppressing that. Uh, and all of a sudden, um, those thoughts can, you know, be, begin to creep and take more and more space in your head. Um, they kind of take over, they are who you are and they kind of take over, they took over in my, my experience, my sort of my identity and my thinking and, and how I interacted. And so, you know, I, I was very, uh, uncomfortable, uh, in my identity of, of, you know, being a straight guy married and struggling with that. And, you know, I just began to feel more and more that feel different. I felt, you know, when I was talking to my friends that saw me as a straight man, uh, with a father to married to this amazing woman, um, by the way, um, you know, I just, I felt different and I, I couldn't, mm. I could no longer, sort of reject those feelings and those thoughts that were sort of knocking at my door. Um, yeah. So the, the, um, the kind of the idea that when you say, cause I think a lot of people who don't know very many gay people are, it's, it's so much about sex for them. It's so much about sexuality for them. It's like I'm attracted to, or they're attracted to the same gender. Uh, but you're talking about identity and, and recognizing that there was, there was a lot more going on there. Can you break that down as you, as your, it sounds like your, your worldly identity, so to speak, started to get a lot of pressure and cracked a little bit with all the, with all the job changes, the moves, and then all of a sudden, like maybe for the first time in years, through those cracks, light started to get shed on this other, this other thing that you hadn't really dealt with in quite some time. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that, that's totally right. I I created this facade and and kept on patching it up with with chewing gum and scotch tape for so many years, trying to hold it up. Um, that you know, the minute something like a big move, big changes in my life happened, you know, I can no longer withstand that pressure anymore. And you know, it's interesting. I I don't know how to really explain identity. I'm sure there are a ton of of 
people out there that, that can probably do it much more eloquently than, than I can. But it's, it's the sense of sort of knowing who you are. And all of that began to crumble during this time. So this sort of identity that I created was just falling apart. And it, the part of me that I hated, that I thought was bad, that I for so long tried to hide was just no longer willing to be hit anymore. And, you know, it, it, it forced me to begin to think about myself and my interactions in the world in a very different way than I had forced myself to the previous, you know, 30 years, really. Jeez. So very practically, like, what are some examples of duct tape and gum that you were putting on your life as a teenager and a 20-something as you're going through this? You know, I, 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 you know, some of those things would be, um, if I was attracted to a guy, a friend, I would just not even like talk to that person. I would push that person out of my life. Um, I, I wouldn't allow myself, um, to get close to other dudes, you know, really close, right? Like I had friends, um, but not, I never wanted to get so vulnerable that this could have become a topic to be able to talk about. Um, and so as humans, right, we're created to have community and to have connection with other people that also left me really lonely, you know, where I would push people away from my life, people that I cared about. And, um, you know, so those are just some examples of ways that I would, I would try to patch this up and, um, you know, out of that, you know, obviously you, you hear a lot of guys, um, there was a recent article that talked about the, sort of the, the epidemic of loneliness in, in the gay community. And it's true. People come out, they struggle for so long, they come out, but that kind of like self-hatred and, and depression stays with people a lot longer, um, uh, because of all those years of suppression, suppressing their feelings and, and their identity just much harder to sort of break free and to feel comfortable with who you are. Yeah. Well, I, there's crap. There's so many things I want to ask on that front too, but let's stick with just chronologically for a second, the actual decision to come out and tell your wife what happened. Yeah. So I, uh, I just remember, you know, we, we made this move to DC in 2011 and it was the summer of a 20, uh, 14, I was, or 2013, I was 33 years old. And I remember for the first time just sort of breaking down um, in my bathroom and finally giving myself the space. There wasn't really, you know, one event that caused this. I think it was a series of, of years of sort of, you know, feeling overwhelmed and stressed that sort of caused me to sort of find look in the mirror and say, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm gay. <laughs> uh, and that's the first time in, in 33 years that I had ever uh, vocalized that, you know, I had probably thought it in my mind. I, I definitely had feelings, um, but never had I ever in the mirror said with my mouth, I am gay. And I, you know, once I did that, um, I thought about my kids. I have two great kids. Um, and I, I remember thinking, you know, I love those kids so much. I want them to be who they are and to be okay with who they are and to know that they are loved. And if I couldn't believe that for myself, I could never be an example for them. And so something, you know, I came out to myself, I think it was like August 24th. And then on September 13th, uh, 
I, I came out to Christine and was basically like, hey, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm gay. Uh, I don't know what this means for us. Um, I'm not leaving you. I'm not in a relationship. Um, but I want you to know that this is who I am and you need to figure out uh, what this means for us and how do we move forward as a family. Wow. I, when, you're, when you were looking at yourself in the mirror, like, was it like, like, are you jumping on your toes, kind of getting energized, like building up to it? And was it like this, how hard was it to say that? Or did it feel like, what did it, did it feel like a giant <laughs> release? Like what, I can't imagine that many years to finally look at yourself and say something like that. You know, it, it's, I've, I've been learning uh, to, be, to, to be able to sit with conflicting emotions. And it was both of those things. It was partially freaking out, horrified, scared, um, worried about the future and part this sort of self-discovery and this courage that I was never able to muster up before to be able to say this to myself and this sort of ability to be okay with myself. And so it was both. It was both this amazing feeling and then both this horrifying, scary feeling um, that, hey, my life is potentially about to change in a very big way that I have absolutely no clue what the outcome is going to be. You know, I'm struck by the way you're talking about this and I've experienced something similar in my own life where it's like, it sounds like you were being broken down. Like there was a, there was, would you have described it that way at that time that it was this, like the identity that you had was being broken. And I can't imagine if that's true, that that felt good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I ever thought about it that way in the coming out process, but that's exactly what was happening. I think, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I had built this persona of myself, this sort of um, ideal of me, and slowly that was crumbling. And I think it was just because of the pressure. And I think I, you know, years ago knew, when I, when I look back in retrospect, I'm like, how, how did I not know this? How did I not know that I was gay? Um, and I have friends that tell me that too. Like I, dude, I knew you were gay. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think I worked so very hard to prove to my dad that he was wrong. One, um, to prove to myself that I was worth something, you know? And so I didn't, I didn't want to feel negatively about myself. And finally, I just like, did not have the energy anymore. And for those of you who are parents and Josh, you know, this, when you're getting zero sleep because you have kids and you're, you know, my work schedule, I was working in the Obama administration. I was going to work at, you know, seven, eight in the morning. I would come home at six or seven. I would take care of the kids, hang out, have some family time. And then I'd be working until like one, two, three in the morning. And I'd get back and do that. You know, like that was my life. And I think when you do that long enough, um, that, that wears on you and it wears on, you know, your, your soul and wears on your ability to be resilient. And I, I just don't think I had the tools anymore or the energy to keep on building this, you know, using this chewing gum and, and, and tape to like keep all of this up. Well, I'm so struck by this. I, I think one of the, the surprising things for me, I started saying this a minute ago, is when you are your most broken, you'd think that would be the time when you would be the least courageous that you would be the least likely to stare something like this in the face. So you're exhausted, you're, you're depleted, and it's then that you choose in that state of vulnerability and 
and exhaustion to be so courageous to finally admit this. Like you'd almost think that it was the other way around. Like, okay, I've got, I'm, everything's good. Now I'm gonna, now I have the capacity to be courageous and I'm just really struck by how untrue that is. Yeah, no, that has, that has been both my experience when I came out and then also as I endured this sort of change in administration time. It, it was, I think back then when, when I came out, it was because I had nothing left to lose. Like I was drained, I was exhausted. I couldn't fight this anymore. And, um, you know, not that I thought like it can't get any worse, but I just was like, I have no other option but to be honest with myself, because I can't go through this another day. I can't do this another week. I was exhausted physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And, um, and it was then that I was like, you know, I, I value being authentic. I value being honest. And when I finally realized it, I, I felt an obligation to both myself and to my family to come out and to be honest with them. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, what, uh, maybe it's fast forward. What happened on, uh, September when, when you finally told your wife? So, uh, that, <laughs> uh, I, I remember, um, I, uh, so I came out to myself end of August. I, uh, had dinner with a friend on September 11th who is gay. And I wanted to come out to him first because I wanted to have someone to hold me accountable. Uh, this guy is a, a good friend of mine and a good friend of Christine's. And I came out to him at a restaurant and, uh, and said, Hey, I, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm gay. And we had a good conversation and I'm telling you this because I need to tell Christine and I don't know if I will do it, uh, unless I tell someone else. And so I told him and I think that was a Wednesday. And then on a Friday night we had put the kids to bed and we were sitting there talking. And I remember, my heart was beating. I was starting to sweat. I, you know, the, that moment when you yeah. have something you know, bad news to say and you don't know how to say it and you, you're looking across someone that you really love and care about deeply. Um, and I, I just sort of jumped out and said it. And um, there was a lot of grace on, on her end. She, Christine is an amazing woman and she, she responded um, with just a ton of grace and you know in the beginning she she was she her first words were you know is this a joke and i i i was no i assure you not this is not a joke this is not something that i find remotely funny and you know that, that began uh, a journey for us um to figure this out and to determine the the path forward and very quickly we both realized hey we're both young um, we care about each other. We love our family. Um, I certainly did not have good role models growing up of what a marriage should look like. And we thought about ourselves and each other and the kids. And we wanted to make sure that they had an example of loving parents who cared about each other and who were authentic. And the result was for us to you know, get divorced and to stay close and co-parent. We currently live in the same apartment building, Christine's a floor above me in an apartment over. We have joint custody of our kids. It, it has worked out incredibly well. And I think the thing for me that is most remarkable is that the thing I feared the most, which was, you know, this destruction of my family and losing those that I loved the most, most dearly 
that they would go away. And that has not been the case for me. And um, I'm, I know other folks, other guys in, in this situation where they've had a much more difficult time staying close to their families, but I have been you know, one of the lucky ones where I have been able to remain close to both Christine and my kids. Uh, Christine has a great relationship with my family. We spend the holidays all together. We celebrate our, each other's successes. When she's having boy problems, she comes down. When I'm having boy problems, I go up and talk to her. And so it's this really fun, unique kind of modern family relationship that we have now, which which I'm, I'm very, very grateful for. John, I know talking through this now when um, a lot of those big moments of change are in the past and you've had time to think through them, it can feel, you know, as we, to describe them, it can almost feel like this, almost dispassionate as you describe them. Can you give people a sense of like, what was happening? You, you talked about your heart racing. Like, I'm assuming there were some tears involved and this was not like this clean, logical, let's stay together for the kids and we love each other still conversation. Like, how long did that last and how hard was it? Yeah, that, that was the abbreviated version. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 the initial shock, I think, lasted several weeks. You know, it wasn't like, hey... I told her on a Friday and by Sunday we were, you know, figuring it all out. It, it took a long time for both of us to figure out what this meant and for both of us to think about what we wanted, you know, and um, there were definitely, there was a lot of anger. Uh, there was um, a lot of tears, a lot of disappointment and sadness. Uh, um, but, the, but I think there was also a lot of respect. I think Christine, um, you know, again, I will say this, Christine is, is not a typical woman. She handled this incredibly well and she is incredibly resilient. And she, you know, one of the first things she said to me is, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. I can't believe you've been hanging on to this burden for so long. And, and I was not expecting that. Um, but you know, I, I think it, it took us several months to really kind of work through some of this stuff. And then you know, that was just the beginning. Obviously, you know, I'm in therapy. Uh, I'm continuing to work through some of these issues. Um, and Christine ha has worked on those issues as well, um, apart from me. And so, you know, it, it definitely is, it's not something that, you know, it happens over light, it, it, overnight. It, it took months and years for us to get where we are, where we're both healthy and happy and you know, not over it. I don't think you ever get over something like this, but where you, where you've, where we've both been able to accept this, or I should just speak for myself, accept this and cherish what we have now and look back and say, holy crap, I have grown so much from this experience, which is, you know, I can say we, we both have. Jeez, man, that's, a, wow. I'm, I'm, just kind of blown away by all of it, honestly, John, and and really touched by it. Like I can't, almost crying just hearing about it and Christine's response. It's wow. Yeah, it's no, it's crazy and it's beautiful. Uh, I, I remember early on, um, one of the first weekends. There's this thing in D.C. called uh, the Gay Married Men's Association, and it's a resource for gay men who are uh, in heterosexual marriages. And I was, you know, at the time I was 33, I had just come out, I was 
you know, sitting with those conflicting emotions, both this sort of excited, eager kind of anticipation of the future when that could be, as well as a sort of mourning of a relationship and of what my life had been like. And uh, there were a number of guys who were there that, you know, are, were well into their 60s. They weren't out. They were still married. And, you know, I, I look back at that and, and I do you know, that first meeting that I did not want to be like that. And, and that, that's not a judgment call to folks. It just, it's, it's just, uh, you know, honoring authenticity in myself and my own story and my truth. And I felt like, you know, I, I have, I had the courage how somehow I mustered up this courage to come out to my wife. I, I do not want to be an authentic, uh, or be in a place where I'm not being able to, share who I really am. And I think that that was very important to me then. And it's really important to me now. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, I didn't know there was a organization for that. Uh, I guess maybe, I don't know how to, I don't expect you to speak for everyone, but I guess one question I'm curious is like, when you decided to get married, did you, did you think maybe that would solve it? Like, did you think, um, there seems to be a, this seems to be a common thing of like gay men being married. Is it like a society pressure thing? Is it, can you speak to that at all? It's like fascinating. Yeah. To me. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I grew up in a really conservative church. I went to a Christian college. I wanted to work in some sort of church, church, church setting, church, church capacity. Um, and it, you know, this wasn't something that was at the forefront of my mind every day. You know, it was something that sort of came up every once in a while. I thought everyone struggled with it. I didn't talk to anyone about it. So I had no clue if it was pervasive, if it was just me, if everyone felt this way. Uh, so, you know, I think if I had a sense, if I was really gay, if, I, if this was, if I was gay or maybe this is something I struggled with, I don't, I don't think I would have gotten married. Uh, I, I do know there are some guys where they have, for sure they were gay and got married anyway because of other pressures. But for me, I really think it was because I just didn't give myself the space to really think about this. And I was also struggling with my relationship with my dad. You know, he, I remember that comment he made when I was 10 years old and I wanted to prove to him that he was wrong. And so anytime I had a thought, I just pushed it out of my head. Um, you know, I, I do think there, there are guys who, and, and women who go into marriage, um, go into a heterosexual marriage. Uh, if they're gay, sometimes they're open about their, their experiences or their interests with their spouses. Sometimes they're not. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's true in any relationship. Sometimes folks are hundred percent honest when they go into them and, and sometimes they're not. But for me, you know, I certainly did not go into being married uh, with Christine with this idea that I was gay and that I was, hopefully this would fix it. And John, this is something I think I'm guessing other people have maybe asked or, um, other people will be curious about for sure. But when you're in these, in this, in this uh, state of repression, so to speak, for so many years, do you engender an attraction towards women or is that a genuine thing? And how did you process that as you went through this, these feelings of uh, this deconstruction of your identity as you begin to come to this terms with what was going on? 
Well, you know, I think um, when a gay man, and I can speak from my experience, when, when I was suppressing my gay attraction, my same-sex attraction, you know, I don't think I was truly, you know, living. Um, you know, in my relation, let me start over because this is this is really complex to kind of talk about because it's not like um, I, one. I don't want to like say that that my relationship with Christine wasn't like a thing. It definitely was. Basically, like, and and I'll start here. I think you know when when you're struggling with your sexuality or when I am, when I was struggling with my sexuality, I didn't really know what it meant like to fully be connected to a woman. And when I was dating a woman, I was like, this, this feels right. Um, I guess this is what it's supposed to feel like. There wasn't this sort of natural fit or this natural connection. There was something missing. I felt like something was missing, but I didn't have anything to compare it with. So I didn't know if, if there was in fact something missing or not. And so it was only until, you know, after I got divorced and I began to date that I realized, wow, this is, this is what it feels like. This is sort of the whole package of what attraction feels like. And so I don't, I don't think before I was sort of forcing myself to be attracted to women, I was attracted to Christine. We had a great time. She was a wonderful person. We obviously, we have two kids, so stuff happened, you know, um, but, but I, I think there is this sort of sense that there's something missing. And I think, you know, the spouse of, um, someone in my situation would say that as well. It, it just, it felt like there was something missing. And I, I certainly felt that, but I didn't have anything to compare it with. So I didn't know if it was, if I was just broken or if the whole thing was broken or, or what. Man, I, I was... <laughs> I respect how difficult this must be just to be able to parse out the nuances of something, especially considering how many years of nuance is is like embedded in in these few sentences. Um, so thank I thank you for being honest about it, or just again respecting <laughs> how hard this is. And that's a good segue because I'm about to ask you a really hard question. I think yeah, wonderful. Um, the the teasing out the difference, and we talked just a minute ago about it. But as you look back on the backstory behind this change and and thinking about all of the little things along the way are there any um are there any other moments like the moment you had with your dad where you were like oh wait a second i i this is something's different here like you're in college and a group of buddies are hanging out and they're all doing some guy thing and you're like uh and because i'm it's so many people i think really do think of this as like well, it's just it's just about sex. That's it. And you're you're using the word identity, and that's a big topic right now. So I'd love to know, like, both the the building of the identity, the dismantling of the identity, all of that stuff. And if there are moments along the way where you can can parse out uh, what's going on with identity versus sexuality, et cetera. I'm asking like seven questions in one, but <laughs> you take it take it, I guess in any direction you want, and we'll refine yeah. as you go. You know, what's I think what's really interesting with that question is that the only difference about me is that I'm out. Like nothing else has really changed about my identity. I mean, I'm, I am less anxious. I am, I have more joy. Um, I feel less of a burden to configure uh, to someone else's sort of version of myself. Um, 
And, and I would say that the only difference is sort of like that I am more authentic today than I was 10 years ago. I still go to church. I'm still active in my community. And those things are very much a part of who I, who, who I was back then and who I am now. Um, you know, I, I think looking back in my life, um, in retrospect, there are probably a million of these micro moments where I, I look back and once I put them all together, it makes the narrative is very clear. But when, when I was in it, when I was in elementary school and <laughs> there was a guy that I thought was cute, um, but I suppressed it and like moved on, you know, I didn't know what that was back then. I couldn't really put a, a, my finger on it. Um, or, you know, when I was in college and I had a lot of friends, um, I had more friends that were girls and friends that were guys. I didn't know at the, the time why that was, you know, looking back, I remember, I, I can remember thinking, I, I can't get too close to these guys. I don't want to be found out. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I struggled with anxiety when I moved to DC and it was because I was doing a lot of public speaking and I was in the middle of this sort of turmoil in my own personal life. And I was afraid that people were going to see me for who I really was. And in the moment I thought, the stakes are just higher. I'm just, you know, I'm now this administration official who might be going out to speak or who might be leading this team. Um, but in retrospect, it was because I was so scared that someone was going to, you know, find me out and out me or, or whatever, or, you know, ask me a question about my sexuality. Um, so, you know, looking back, I can see them all, but in the moment, I, I didn't have the perspective to connect the dots. What was what were some of the catalysts that because the way we, we the way we've described it so far was you had suppressed it and then all of a sudden a, a short burst of stress occurred that caused you to finally look it in the face. Can you look back, John, and recognize like subtle things that were happening uh, before that? Was like the move to D.C. where there's a lot of gay people and everyone seems to be okay with it. Part of it, uh, other things like that. You know, I, I definitely think moving from you know Indianapolis, which was a much smaller city, to DC, um, we were in the heart of Logan Circle. We we're at Thirteenth and Q, so we were you know surrounded in this very you know hyper sort of gay area in DC. I, I think that sort of normalized it a bit for me. Um, you know, having friends at work who who are open and, and out. I think that definitely helped, but I would say the catalyst was definitely the the sort of pressure and the constraints that I felt on my life um, at the time. Looking, I mean, that's so, isn't that surprising? Like, doesn't, when you look back at that, doesn't that just seem crazy to you? It seems crazy to me that that's like, that's how it works sometimes. That's just all of a sudden... <laughs> this, you think one thing is happening and then you're like, oh my God, this other thing's actually happening. Yeah, no, I mean, I've seen it in, in my life when, you know, I just haven't, you know, a million things have been going on and I've, and I've had to prioritize the things I, I can deal with and protect. And, and there have been times where I just can't protect everything. And I think in a time of that increased stress of all those life things happening, I just couldn't keep all the balls in the air and I had to, you know, let a few of them fall. And I think it was best that I did that because I found myself, I found this voice, I found authenticity in a way that I never found it before. 
And I was still at the same time able to be true to my family and committed to my family and help lead us as a family through a really difficult time um, with, with Christine. How has it been for, the, for your kids? What's go, what, how does that look? You know, in the beginning, I, I think it was, it was scary for them. At the time, um, Poppy was four and Callum was two. Callum had no clue what was happening. And we were really honest with them. We sat them down a few weeks before we moved out to sell the house and, you know, said to them, you know, sometimes, you know, there are um, most people, most girls like boys and most boys like girls, but there are some some boys that like boys and some girls that like girls. And sometimes people know that early on in their life. And sometimes like daddy that comes, uh, through a little later. And, um, I think the kids, and, and I think this is true. And this was representative of me. They were scared or she was scared because she had no clue what to expect. She didn't know how things were going to be. She didn't know how things were going to play out. She didn't know that we were still a family and that we would still eat dinner together and have fun together. And we would go to open house together and, and spend holidays together. And I think as we've been adults to this and been committed to each other and to our family, that fear and that anxiety has for all of us, I think gone away. Um, you know, especially now that Christine lives in my building and we live, you know, a floor apart um, I asked Poppy the other day, you know, how she feels about things. And she said, I'm okay with it. You know, whereas in the beginning she would <clears throat> lie and tell her friends that, or tell her family that she was going out to dinner instead of telling them that she, they were coming, she was coming to my house for dinner or something. You know, she was very uncomfortable with this idea of divorce and two families. But I think the thing that has really kept us all together is that this thread of love and commitment has remained. Um, we are still very much a family. We get coffee together almost every Saturday. Callum has soccer. We all go to that. Um, we all go to plays that Poppy is in uh, as a family and go out to dinner afterwards and spend time together. And so it's, you know, it's, we're still a family and we still operate like a family and act like a family. And I think that's the thing that is the most impactful thing for the kids is that that thread of love and commitment is still there. When you guys were talking to them about this, was that the first time you had discussed uh, different families and different family structures and what it, boys and boys and girls and girls? So, I mean, being in D.C., they, you know, our next door neighbors, there was a, a two gay dudes that lived next door, John and Chris, they loved them. Um, so they knew what gay was. They knew what that was. They, they, were, they were exposed to it. Uh, I think it just sort of hit home when we were talking about their dad, right? You know, and, and, and the impact that that would have on them. Um, we hadn't really talked about, you know, family structures before with them. They were four and two, but um, I, th you know, yeah, no, we had, we had not. Well, John, um, we'll start wrapping up here, but uh, last question. What would you want people to know about this experience that they wouldn't maybe otherwise know looking from the outside in? Uh, two things. I think for people who are going through something like this, um, I, I'd want them to know that, um, you know, it seems a little trite and it's not always true, but it does get better. Um, it, you know, you might not 
be without pain and you might have a, a challenging life, but it has been so freeing for me to be open and honest about who I am that even if things turned out 10 times harder than before, I think it would still be worth it to come out and do it. Um, and I think for folks that are on the outside sort of looking into perhaps people's lives that um, might be going through this, um, you know, I, I think I, I would say to those folks that, um, you know, these are really challenging times and your friends that, that you're watching need you more than ever to be supportive and loving and caring and just to be there. Um, you know, these things are really hard to go through. It was hard for me. It was in a very different way, hard for Christine. And we had friends that came around us and, and walked through this with us. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for those friends that were there for us during a really, really challenging time. Thank you, John. That was amazing. Um, very gutsy to talk about that. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me.